Good morning, church. There were two guys who stood on the side of an old country road, and they were holding a sign that said, The end is near. Turn yourself around before it's too late. The end is near. Turn yourself around before it's too late. And so they stood there waiting for a car to come in their direction. After a few minutes, a car approached them and they held out their sign and and the driver read the sign and yelled, Leave me alone, you religious nuts. And the car sped off, turned the corner. The two guys heard a big splash. One guy turns to the other and he says, Do you think instead we should hold a sign that says, Bridges out ahead? (laughs) Bridges out ahead. You know, the end is near. And I'm not talking about bridges being out. The end is near. We come to the end of our sermon series in the book of Daniel. We'll be picking up the book of Proverbs beginning uh, next Sunday. But how does Daniel end? Well, with a snapshot of end times. Now, this is not the first time Daniel has been given a vision or revelation on matters pertaining to the end of the world's. He had those moments where he thought it was the end of the world. I remember as a kid in the middle of the day when suddenly everything would get dark and I'd wonder, is this the end of the world? At that time, I hoped not. I had a lot to do that day. Many, many really speak of the end of the world. But you tell me over and over again, my friend, uh, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction, Barry Maguire wrote. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fear that I'm feeling today? The button is pushed. There's no running away. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you. But you tell me over and over again, my friend, uh, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Songs are written about the end of the world. And the film industry is certainly not short on movies at the end of the world, Right? Day After Tomorrow, War of the Worlds, I Am Legend, Independence Day. I don't know, just pick one of your favorites, insert. There's plenty to choose from. I wonder, why is there such a fascination with the end of the world? Might it be because God has placed eternity in our hearts, as Scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11? See, the truth is, there is an end to which we are moving. Time is going somewhere. All right, with that, look with me to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, as I always do, I encourage you to follow along with me. And Daniel chapter 12. Now, I want to remind you that chapters 10 through 12 are one unit. Um, We we looked at them um, at each chapter separately, but they really should be taken as a whole. And so I want to remind you of the context of this one unit, of these three chapters. Daniel, uh, surprised that when the 70-year captivity in Babylon uh, ended, less than half of the Jewish people living at Babylon at that time returned. Less than half. The rebuilding of the temple came to a standstill. And what should have been a returning to singing and rejoicing in their homeland was rather dismal. And that's all likely quite disappointing to Daniel, who takes the matter to God in prayer and fasting. We saw in Daniel chapter 10. 
And Daniel had to be wondering, what's going on here? What are you up to, Lord, with my people, the people of Israel? I mean, God, the the 70 years of captivity and suffering are supposed to be over. Why is it not over? And then after a three-week delay because of a conflict that was going on in the unseen world, an answer is sent to Daniel via an angel. Have you, ever, have you ever received an answer to, to a prayer that you kind of wish you never asked in the first place? <laughs> well, God's answer to Daniel's prayer of lament of why is this going on, this suffering, and how long? The answer to that is there's going to be one long string of suffering for his people. The people of Israel will continue to be oppressed, not only in Daniel's lifetime, not only in the foreseeable future, but for thousands of years. Why will they continue to be oppressed? Well, I remind you of the verse from last week's passage in Daniel chapter 11, uh, verse 35. It says, some of the wise will stumble so that, here's the purpose, so that they may be refined purified, made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. You see, the oppression isn't over because their refining isn't over. And when will this end? I mean, is there light at the end of the tunnel? After all, everyone needs hope. Without hope, we find it difficult to even enjoy the moment in which we live. Well, I believe that's some of what chapter 12 is all about hope. And we're going to surface that along the way. But principle number one, principle number one, is just as time is going somewhere, so is every person. Just as time is going somewhere, so is every person. Okay, I hope you have your Bibles open, you're on your your phone, wherever it is. Verse 1, verse 1, Daniel 12, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. The angel's speaking to Daniel. There'll be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name's found written in the book, will be delivered. Now, notice that twice in that one verse, we find that phrase, at that time. What time? It's always good to ask questions when you're reading Scripture. What time? Well, the time that the angel has just been discussing. Back in chapter 11, we saw last week, we saw a similar phrase in verse 35 and in verse 40, the time of the end. And I believe that this is language pointing to the final period of time just prior to Christ's second coming. And notice that the angel here refers to that time as a time of distress such as has not happened. Such as has not happened. That's a, that's a Hebrew idiom. It's a, it's a figure of speech that means this is the worst. You find that phrase uh, in, in Exodus chapter 9, uh, verse 18. God sent the plagues on Egypt. God says there, Exodus 9, 18, Therefore at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that is hailstorm that has ever fallen. Same phrase. Ever fallen on Egypt for that day it was founded till now. Down in verse 24 of Exodus 9, it says, Hail fell, lightning flashed back and forth. Here's the phrase again. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. 
This time of distress that Daniel speaks of is going to be the worst ever. Sounds a lot like what Jesus says in Matthew in speaking of the last days. You can check out Matthew 24 sometime. I just warn you, as you read Matthew 24, don't try and get it all fit into this beautiful timeline because it will drive you nuts. But there's a lot there in Matthew 24. And in verse 21, speaking of the last days, Jesus says, For then there will be great distress. Same idea. Unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. Now Jesus' words closely resemble Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And a logical conclusion would be that Jesus took Daniel's prophecy as relating to the last days and particularly following, falling and the time period of the, of the great tribulation. <laughs> well, where's, where's the light at the end of this tunnel? Well, God does provide some hope. Stay in verse 1 with me, right at the very beginning. Michael, the great prince, comes to the rescue. It says he will protect God's people from being totally wiped out, which is exactly what Satan would do if left to himself. He's the protector. He guards them. Now, by the way, I don't, I don't want to burst your bubble in thinking that we all have been assigned in a guardian angel, but this is the only place in Scripture that even hints of a guardian angel. And, and I'm just saying, and this one here is a direct reference to the people of Israel, right? It protects your people, it says in verse 1. Well, who would be Daniel's people? The people of Israel. And Michael is given the responsibility to care for and look out for Israel. And I'm thinking, if I'm Michael the angel, I'm going, gee, thanks. <laughs> Don't you have another job for me? And Michael's not going to allow Satan to obliterate God's people during the tribulation. And so the hope for Israel is not only the protector, but the hope is deliverance would come. Who are the ones delivered? Stay with me, end of verse 1. Everyone whose name is found written in the book is delivered. Now, I need to be clear on this. There is no blanket statement here that says every Jewish person alive on earth at the end time is going to be saved. The ones who are delivered is promised to those who what? Believe, whose names are written in the book. There is a promised deliverance for his persecuted people who persevere to the end. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that later. And the next verse speaks of a distinction between those Jews who believe and those who do not. Look at verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some do everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Everyone is going somewhere. Some will go to everlasting life. Others will go to everlasting contempt. You will go somewhere. Where are you going to be? See, your name is either written in the book, and in Revelation 20, it talks about the book of life. Either your name is written in the book of life, or it isn't. A mom and her four-year-old daughter were driving home from church one Sunday when the little girl asked, Mom, can, can, can we stop at the library today? Well, no, honey, the mom answered. The library's closed on Sundays. But, Mommy, we have to, the girl insisted almost in tears. Why, the mom asked. Well, this morning in Sunday school, my teacher said, the only way we can get to heaven is if our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
and I want to go to the library and find that book to make sure my name is written there. <laughs> now, I don't think there's an actual book like that. You're certainly not going to find it at the library. I don't know how it's all going to work. I remember, I remember this cartoon years ago that showed this man standing before Peter at the gates of heaven. Now that's not, that's fun to think of, but it's not necessarily biblical. But this man standing before Peter at the gates of heaven. And Peter's thumbing through the book of life, looking for the man's name. When the man says to Peter, you know, there's an app for that. (laughs) There's an app for that. All right, maybe it's on an app. I don't know. It's written down though. At the end of time, it will matter if your name is written in the book of life or not. It's the place where all the names of the redeemed are written down. And we don't like to talk about it, but the reality is, just as time is going somewhere, so is every person. Some will go to everlasting life and others to everlasting contempt. Some will be in the presence of God forever and others will be shut out from the presence of God forever, but all will be resurrected physically. Our bodies will be. Now, time doesn't allow me this morning to speak of the broad concept of resurrection. There's, there's a first resurrection in three parts, and then there's a second resurrection. And, and community group's going to look at this probably a little bit here as well, and you can, you can research it. But in this context in Daniel... I believe it's referring to the resurrection of those who die and who are saved during the tribulation. The third part of the first resurrection. Then there are the uh, unsaved who are resurrected after the thousand year reign of Christ on earth which is referred to as the second resurrection. You can read about it. Revelation 20, 1 through 8, 9. Then just keep going right to the end of that chapter. Well, Daniel drops the subject abruptly, especially in speaking of the wicked, and he focuses back on hope. After the resurrection, then what? Verse 3. Verse 3. Those who are wise, which has been equated to those who believe, who are written in the book, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But what is this speaking to? I believe it's speaking to the rewards that are given to the faithful. That those who persevere to the end, the wise, are said to shine like the brightness. They're going to shine like stars. And those who lead others to righteousness will be rewarded accordingly. They will shine the brightest. So, so those who, who let their lights shine here on earth will shine in the life to come. I want to be one of those. And by the imagery of, of, of stars shining brightly, it would suggest that our rewards are ways to express the capacity we'll have to radiate the glory of God. I know exactly what that looks like. But our faithfulness here on earth and our own witness will determine our eternal capacity to manifest the glory of God. Some shape or form. That's what it seems. This is why we're given snapshots of the end. This is why. 
Not so they can get all figured out and do some nice beautiful charts. So that for this purpose that we shine in the life that we have now. Warren Worsby, he tells a story when he was a, a young preacher and, and he was preaching on the last days. And he said he, he preached with all the events of prophecy clearly laid out. It was perfectly planned. And at the end of the service, an older gentleman came up to him and whispered in his ear. He said, you know, I used to have the Lord's return planned out to the last detail. But years ago, I moved from the planning committee to the welcoming committee. Now, I like that. I like that. Are you part of the welcoming committee? I mean, it's fine to study and have certain views about the end times. It will only make sense when we get into the site anyway. You're all going to be straightened out. Yeah, it can be too. You see, it's fine to do that. But making charts is not the ultimate goal. To have it all figured out is not the ultimate goal. You see, knowing there is an end should urge us to live for the next life. Are we storing treasures here on earth only? Or are we storing up treasures in heaven? And then Daniel's then told in verse 4 to close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Very interesting uh, words there. Is a saying that the book of Daniel uh, is going to be reopened and carefully studied during the time of the tribulation? I think so. I think that's very possible, especially with what the angel says next here at the end of verse 4. It says, many will go here and there to increase knowledge. What is that saying? To me, it seems like that it's pointing to the end of time during the great tribulation where people are going to be searching for answers. What's going on here? Maybe Daniel has something to say about this. I mean, I'll go here and there and maybe they'll have answers for me. I'm going to search all over the place till I get some answers. And more broadly than that, really, it's a description of humanity down through the ages as well as people today, right? I mean, since we all have eternity in our hearts, there's this constant search for an answer to the restlessness within. I really believe that's there. And often, they're searching in all the wrong places. It's with God, not in the picture. And it just ends in frustration and futility. But church, people are looking for answers. They are. And maybe you're one of those that uh, you're out there going here and there looking for peace because people crave peace. People crave rest. People crave, crave security. Maybe you're one of those people saying, I'm going to search here and there because I get this restlessness inside and I need to find it. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in this whatever. When will that search end? Are you going to go your entire life going here and there looking for an answer to the restlessness within? I mean, have you settled that? It's your name in the book. Is your belief in the person of Christ because every person is going somewhere. Principle number two. Principle number two. Living a life of faith doesn't mean you understand everything. <laughs> That's good to know. Living a life of faith doesn't mean you understand everything. It's not profound, but it resonates. And it's here. Verse five. We turn to the first person here. Then I, Daniel, I looked and there before me stood two others one on this bank of the river, one on the opposite bank. And so you have two angels in addition to the one angel who's talking to Daniel show up. One's on one side, one's on the other, and you have this angel that's talking to Daniel. Daniel you've got, you got a bunch of angels here. And then you have a third being that appears. 
This one is clothed in linen and hovering over the river, verse 6. Now, one angel asked the other, How long till the end? How long until this is over? Hopefully that's not your thought this morning about the sermon. How long till the end? How long till this is over? Well, I figure as those angels are asking the question, that Daniel's standing there with his mouth wide open, for it's as if the angel read his mind. Because I suspect Daniel is wondering, how long till the end? How long until the hope of everlasting life is a reality? How long until the suffering will be over? And then the one who's clothed in linen, and unless I miss my guess, I believe it's the pre-incarnate Christ, as we saw in Daniel chapter 10, uh, verse 5. This one clothed in linen tells them how long. He answers the question that they were asking each other. End of verse 7. He says... It will be for a time, times, and half a time. Thanks. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. Now here we go again. We see this veiled period of time referred to as one unit of time plus two units of time plus a half a unit. Now after serious consideration, that's three and a half units. See, that's what, I get paid to study God's Word so I can come up with those brilliant things for you. And you go, well, that's not very helpful. No, it really isn't. Because you could have done that on your own. I mean, it's really the easy part to say that. What, what's meant by these three and a half units? It seems likely, though it can't be dogmatic, that when compared to other scriptures, it seems to be a reference to the three and a half years portion of the seven year tribulation. It's the time of great distress when things are at its worst. I don't want us to miss the application of this though and this reference to a time, times, and half a time because the word of hopes here, the appointed time has an ending point. The ending point it tells us, is when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. Or more literally, it says the time will end when the shattering of God's people happens. But do you see it? It will get worse before it gets better. The end will come. Christ will return. Not when things are going great. It's when things feel helpless and and things feel hopeless, right? That people then go, you know what? What about this Jesus? With all the evil going around in the world like that, it's the worst of times. But folks, it's the best of times because as evil prevails and as evil takes over, so will people come to faith. They're more ready to do that. You see that. Other parts of the world, when is the conversion rate the highest? When there's persecution, when there's oppression, there's highest rates of conversion. We've had it so good here. We've had it so good here. We've missed it. All right, I love Daniel's response to all this, verse 8. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. (laughs) Know the feeling? What an honest response. Not understanding here, it suggests he's struggling to try and figure this thing out. He just can't quite get it. Church, the life of faith is lived within the realm of unanswered questions. Are you okay with that? 
A life of faith does not mean you understand everything. As I said it before, I'm actually rather nervous around those who claim they do understand it all. They say, oh no, I got it exactly right, Pastor. This is how it is. Boom, 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 boom. You make me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. We can understand some things. Yes, we don't need to understand it all to walk the walk of faith, to trust in Jesus. We don't. And now we may know more than Daniel because we're on this side of the cross and we've been given more revelation with the completion of the New Testament. But there are still things we don't understand. Case in point, verse, verse 11. It's great, you know, to lead in that way. I don't have to figure this out. Verse 11. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. Which is it? You said 1,290. Now you're saying 1,335. What do we do with these numbers? Take them literally? Symbolically? Is it reaching back? To what we saw in Daniel chapter 9. <laughs> that was a memorable Sunday. Daniel chapter 9 and the 77s or 70 years. Is it reaching back to that? Because in that passage in Daniel 9, we had seven sevens plus 62 sevens. And then a middle of another seven. Which, could, uh, which of course could be the, the three and a half, right? Is this 1290 days the same as three and a half years? Is this the middle of the seven year tribulation? Maybe. The problem is three and a half years does not equal 1290 days. Close, but no cigar. I don't know where I pull that from sometimes, but you know, we can research that phrase. That number would be what? 1260 days. In line with scripture too. And then verse 12 adds 45 days to it and says 1,335 days. Now let me tell you, Bible teachers and commentaries, they do all kinds of gymnastics to make it fit into their timetable of a seven-year tribulation and more specifically the three-and-a-half-year mark at the middle. I'll spare you all that. But the wise will understand that there's a day coming when Jesus will return. But we won't understand it all for the time being. What's the application? I want us to see this. The people of God will endure to the end. The faithful will continue to live for the Lord in time of trouble, no matter the length of time, whether it's 1,290 days or 1,335 days. There's a call here, I believe, in these two verses. To be faithful to the end, whenever that end might be. If you do, you're called blessed. Blessed is he who endures to the end. Leads right into the last principle, really, our, our, our major application this morning. Principle number three. Our responsibility is to walk in faithfulness, leaving the future with God. Our responsibility is to walk in faithfulness, leaving the unknown, the things we don't understand, all of it, with God. Now, I couldn't help but think of Jesus' story of the homeowner who leaves and puts his servants in charge of taking care of his property. 
It's all set, that story, in Mark chapter 13. It's also in Matthew. Um, but that, that story that Jesus tells is all set in the context of not knowing the day and hour of Jesus' return. Jesus then says, Mark 13, 35. Read all the verses around that. It would do you well to do that. Verse 35. Keep watch, Jesus says, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Am I sleeping? Church, are you sleeping? What are you doing? What am I doing with what God has given us while the owner of it all is away? Because He's coming back someday. Will we walk in faithfulness till then? Likely, I've shared this with you before, but when Donna and I were first married, before kids, we would often house sit for people as they were away from their homes for a little bit. And each time, the homeowners, as they would leave, or they'd leave a note, and they'd say with all sincerity, make yourselves at home. And and we really tried to do that as much as possible, but we knew it wasn't our home. We we were caring for it while the owners were away. But what if we began to hold these wild parties in the home, or, or we started to just attract mud through the house, or we decided to turn their living room into a bedroom, <laughs> or we dug up their lawn and turned it into a baseball diamond or a football field. I mean, we wouldn't do that. Why? Because we were entrusted to the care of their house. It didn't belong to us. We weren't the owners. We're simply caring for it while the owners were away. Now we knew the owners would return and what would they find when they did? Jesus will return. He's coming back. What will he find us doing? What do we do with what we know and we don't know of future things of the ends? And you know, that's the final word to Daniel here. I don't want us to miss it. Verse 13. Verse 13. Angel says to Daniel, as for you, go your way to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of those days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. What is this saying? Daniel, you're getting up there in years. You will die, but that isn't the end. You will then rise and receive your reward. Go your way to the ends. Because you will rest, you will die, you will be resurrected, you will be rewarded. Go your way, Daniel. Keep doing what you're doing until the end. Daniel, that's all you need to know. Right there. That's all we need to know. Because your days will come to an end. But death's not going to be the end. He has a place for you. That's all we need to know. You will die. You'll be resurrected. He has a place for you. So go your way. To the end. Yeah, but, yeah, but what about? You will die. You'll be resurrected. He has a place for you. 
So go your way to the end. I know, but what about this? You will die. You will be resurrected. He has a place for you. So go your way to the end. What? A, don't concern yourself with all of that. There is so much we don't know. So much we don't understand. But church, get on with it. Get on with it. Live your life for him until the end. What a great way to end the book. Church, go your way. Live for him. Here's the takeaway, in case we haven't grabbed it. There's so much we don't know. But what we do know is we're to live our life for him to the end. We do know that. There's so much we don't know, but what we do know is we're to live our life for him to the end. By 7 p.m. on October 20th, 1968, at the Mexico City Olympic Stadium, it was beginning to darken. The last of the Olympic marathon runners were being assisted away to stations. Over an hour earlier, Mama Waldi of Ethiopia charged across the finish line, winning the 26-mile marathon, looking as strong and as vigorous as when he started. So the last few thousand spectators were there gathering their things, preparing to leave. There was all this commotion going on at the gate that was entering the, the stadium. And everybody there, all their attention turned to that gate. A sole figure wearing the colors of Tanzania, came limping into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari. He was the last man to finish the marathon in 1968. He came in, his, his leg was bleeding, and his knee apparently dislocated. He had taken a, a bad fall earlier in the race, and it was all he could do now to limp his way around the track to the finish line. The small crowd that was there, they stood and they applauded this, this one man to complete his last lap. And he finally crossed the finish line. One man dared ask the question, all were wondering, you're badly injured. Why didn't you quit? Why didn't you just give up? And quarry with quiet dignity said, my country did not send me 10,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me 10,000 miles to finish the race. Church, God didn't just send you to start this race. He didn't, he didn't just save you for you just to drop out of the race along the way. God sent you, God sent me to both start and to finish. So church, go your way. Go your way to the end. To the end. Be faithful. Let's pray. Lord, in your, in your wisdom, you start so appropriate to end Daniel with this verse. And I've missed it before. Really, only this, just studying it this past week, that I see how it all came together. And your final word to Daniel is your final word to us as we try and make sense of so many things going on in the world, make sense of your scriptures about um, prophecy and, and all of that. And it's fine up to a point. 
to search scriptures on that, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're not going to call us and you're not going to ask us, did we figure it all out? You're going to ask us, have you been faithful? What have you done while I've been away? God, nudge us as to what that looks like very specifically as we walk out of here this morning. For this week, I pray in Jesus' name.